welcome to this week's edition of the Time and Place podcast, where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to bring God's word to God's world. Uh, I'm Solomon, and this is Julian. Yep. And today we're going to be talking about church planting. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Uh, today, nothing, because we have our guest for a short amount of time. So we're just going to jump into it. Uh, our guest today, how's it going, brother? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, you want to go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everybody who you are, what you do? Yeah, man. my name is Carl Young. Um, I'm one of the pastors of at uh, Alamo Ranch Community Church currently. Uh, my main responsibility there is to oversee our uh, missional communities, and uh, we're looking at planning a church soon. So I know we'll get into that here in a second, but yeah, that's me. Cool. So Carl is actually one of my elders for the next couple of months. Uh, Carl baptized me, so okay. that's we're connected in that way. That's right. So uh, you're planning a church. Why? Yeah, man. Um, that's a great question. Um, and how we laugh at that, right? But um, I think there are a lot of bad reasons people plant churches. And so um, we have been praying about this for a couple of years now um, with just some friends, uh, obviously with my wife, and, and talking back and forth on this, of why, why church planting um, why San Antonio? Why now? And so, um, man, because I think the best reason is that there are still people who are lost in San Antonio. And so um, we think um, that planning churches is one of the best missional strategies of seeing people come to Christ, just um, really kind of saturating San Antonio with the gospel and having these hubs that we call local churches to uh, be sort of home bases um in making disciples and so um yeah we, we think god's calling us to do this so you're one of two church plants that we're going to have pretty soon uh mm -hmm. john paul's going out you're staying in the city so yep. what was behind your motivation <clears throat> to stay in the city because uh you know looking at san antonio there's a ton of churches you know two on a block if you wanted to so why yeah. here yeah so um we don't we didn't feel like God was calling us to leave San Antonio. We, um, you know, 11 years ago, uh, felt that God was calling us here to help uh, plant and start Alamo Ranch Community Church with a few of these other guys. And um, just haven't felt him call us uh, to leave this place. And so um, because we are a part of the Acts 29 network, um, one of the things that we did was kind of look at the city and say, um, where are there uh, not where is it not saturated with Acts 29 churches? So that was just kind of practically one of the ways that we kind of prayed about where where could we go that is um, pretty uh, formational? What's a location that's formational for the city of San Antonio overall? And what does it look like to uh, plant there, build relationships, um, start preaching the gospel and inviting people into that? And so uh, we've just had a conviction that God is keeping us here um to see yeah to see uh, more people come to christ in this city specifically mm. and the area you're moving to is kind of a specific area too can you tell us a little bit about the area yeah absolutely it's it's a very specific uh, neighborhood um it's called Mankey park and so i think there are probably between four and five thousand people and so uh Mankey park it's literally if you're looking on a map if you zoom in a ton on a map of san antonio Mankey park is literally a strip of land uh, that connects the San Antonio Botanical Gardens to Brackenridge Park. And um, yeah, there are probably four or 5,000 people there. Um, we're looking to and meet in an elementary school there, um, Lamar Elementary. And so uh, we think that God is placing people all around the city to make disciples. And so um, we literally, Minky Park really literally has boundaries around it to where you say, I'm in Mankey Park or I'm outside of it. And so we say, no, we can start in Mankey Park. We know exactly the people God is calling us to. And we start there and we pray that every person in Mankey Park comes to know Christ. And let's see what he does after that outside of it. That's a really interesting yeah. way to look at it. Cause I think um, sometimes we can make the mistake of thinking we're going to take the city right for God, or we're going to, we're going to overturn the whole city. But you're looking at a, just a, one microcosm and saying, this is where we're going to start. This is where we're planning a flag. Um, and you talked about how there's some bad reasons to plant a church. What are some of the bad reasons for church planning that you've seen? Um, man, gosh, <laughs> I 
I think some battery is just because, <clears throat> you know, we're, we're like, if there's like a church split or I'm just kind of tired of where I'm living and tired of uh, my role here. So I'm going to go start something new because right. I am entrepreneurial or something like that. Just, just, just kind of tired of the old and wanting to start something new. Um, I don't really think that honors the Lord. Um, also just to make a name for ourselves. Um, that's, that is becoming more popular, I think, <laughs> uh, to build our own platform, to uh, send us to some other uh, next step ministry or whatnot. Um, I think, and then those are just temptations. I mean, those are absolutely temptations that I've faced as well and that I still deal with. Um, I think my flesh would absolutely want to make a name for myself, but, um, but I'm just really praying hard against that. And, um, and I think it's focusing on a very specific people, very specific neighborhood with hopes one day to uh, our, what we're praying for, what we're praying toward is that we would plant a church within the first three to five years of planting this church. And so our desire, our conviction is that we're, we don't necessarily want to grow this into some giant church if God even allowed that, but to ask him, who is God, who are you bringing that could go and, and plant churches around the city as well? Mm-hmm to reach more of San Antonio um, by church planting. Hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting because in Texas, we have three or four mega churches. Like the, the village is here. Uh, there's Olstein's church in Houston. There's uh, Cornerstone here. And then TD Jake's church is like right by the village. So yep. all these mega churches with massive congregations and then smaller scale ones like Wayside Chapel's pretty big. Um, what drives your passion for small churches? Man, um, I think, I think smaller churches invite more participation from the whole body of Christ. Um, and, and just from my own experience, I think when the, as churches get larger and larger, there is a switch that, um, that happens to where people come, uh, to church to let the professionals of ministry do the ministry for uh, for us versus in smaller churches more people are called uh, to serve that church specifically that's interesting because that's i know that's something we made a video maybe a year ago where you talked about Mm -hmm. uh that idea of reaching out to your neighborhood right like if your neighbors don't know you you have a problem and that small community that's how the church started, right? You had local churches all over Jerusalem, that area, house churches, really. Yeah. And yeah. in America, we switched to kind of a one size fits all business model with like a head pastor, CEO, and then a company he leads, basically. Your church is a brand. Right. And, and that's one thing I do like about ARCC and what you guys are doing is that model doesn't really exist there. It, I think that model can work, right? And and I've talked with other pastors and like, it can work if if those roles are being stewarded well. Um, if people are being equipped for the work of ministry, as Ephesians 4 says, um, the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherd, teachers, they are uh, the, the uh, equippers of God's people to send them out to do the work of ministry. And so it's not just... Um, you know, one pastor or two pastors. And we come and um, I think it was Jared Wilson said this. He says, we have this deal that we've made where um, people come to church and we have this, this agreement, pastor, you do the ministry and we will uh, pay your salary, but don't ask us to do the ministry because that's the work. That's the job of a pastor. And that biblically, that's, um, that's just not a biblical idea. (laughs) Uh, The pastor will do some work of the ministry, but, um, with with all of the equipping going on in the church, we are to equip every saint for the work of ministry and help understand the gifts uh, that God's given His church and employ those in discipleship. Yeah, that, that's interesting. That that uh, sorry, I have a bag at bad echo in these headphones. <laughs> uh, I, I, I go to the well. I think you actually preached at our church. Yeah, yeah, times. and yep. uh, yeah. So we, we've we're technically, I guess, still a church plant. It's been a while, but. Uh, we're still like kind of planting and that idea. Yeah. Of like this kind of consumer mentality in church uh, is kind of weird. Cause I, I've been with the well since the living room. Like, so it's like the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so, and so to see 
like the people like kind of old school people who kind of have that mentality also of like, Hey, there's shovels at the door, grab one on your way in, you know, and yep. versus like, as we kind of get a little bigger, people just kind of coming and sitting and leaving, you know, it's like, okay, we, that's not really like what we do here. Like you gotta do something. Yeah. Like we literally have to, like if, if volunteers are not doing something, we don't have this ministry or that ministry or this thing. So you kind of have to participate in this. And this is, there's no sideline sitting like it's not it's not even possible like we just won't we wouldn't have a church if we if we had that like as at this size at this scale I, one thing i have noticed in like the, i guess going eight years now or eight or nine years now of, of being uh at the well is we live in a very transitory or like um is that the right word yeah no. move around a lot yeah. young people mm-hmm. find opportunities in different states or different things for a job or they're here for school or something or just whatever for whatever reason i've seen that is the biggest obstacle because i think about everybody who's passed through our door and become members and become volunteers and become staff even and become you know and i think if we got if we kept everybody that came <laughs> through we'd have a huge like pretty big church but there's yeah. like such a just through circumstance uh kind of a revolving door of like hey someone's someone's here they're it's, they're doing great they're we're like on, on kind of path to an elder or something. And then they take a job in another city and it's like, uh, okay. You know? And it's, so I, I don't know what, have you experienced that or like kind of what's, what's the plan for that? Or like what you're thinking on that sort of like, we want to get people get here, get established, get involved, get, you know, members, but then they leave. And then, you know, and so it's just kind of this sort of revolving door situation. What's your, what's your thinking on that? As yeah. As a church plan <clears throat> growth, I guess. Sure. Yeah, I've thought about this uh, because at Alamo Ranch Community Church, we, you know, we're um, in the backyard of Lackland Air Force Base. So every two, <laughs> every year, we're yeah. losing people, but also <laughs> people are coming. And so it's right. like, man, how do we? Um, you because you don't want to develop a mindset that says, well, they're not here for, for very long, so we're not going to ask them right. to really commit much. Right. Um, and and a text that has been really helpful for me um, in in understanding who God is bringing and who He's sending. Um, it's just in Acts 17 when Paul is dressing um, the men at Athens. Um, and he, Paul just says, guys, uh, God has established the time and the boundaries um, of our dwelling so that people may perhaps uh, seek him and find him. Um, and so in my mind, when, when asking people who, you know, military families, they can't really help to where they're being called. Um, but there, there have been conversations where people say, well, we just kind of want to move out in the country a little more secluded um more safety for our family and so um if you if you kind of put that uh and we can talk about that at a separate time <laughs> if you put sort of the 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 self-protection individualistic um uh, mindset through the act 17 filter and say okay god is that he he very well may send you to live in a more secluded life but um, have you prayed about this with your small group of people or with your church, or is this an individual decision that you are making with your family? I think this needs to be, this needs to be discussed and pushed back on with your small group. Um, but are you going there and you're going to live there for uh, a while so that you make disciples so that you're a, a gospel outpost to some degree to say, if I live here, God may bring people here who are seeking their way toward him and they might find him because of our presence, or are we just doing that to get away from the, the yeah. cruel, cruel world, um, which I don't think Jesus is calling us to. And so putting it through that filter, um, we're going to move here to make disciples, not just to have a more comfortable life. Um, and that presses against, and that pushes against the kind of an American individualistic uh, mindset and way of life. And maybe you guys can shed more light on this because I've never been part of a church plant, but that seems so hard in, in modern America to get people to understand like being a member of this church means investment and time. Like this isn't uh, something you pencil in your schedule with your golf game or your, your social group on this. This is part of life seriously now. Like how do you, yep. how do you work with that? How do you get people to come to that mentality and understand like, Hey, we're, we're living this. We're the living body. We're all together in this. Yeah. One thing just I would say uh, is that it's taken time, a lot of time to kind of realize this is uh, the importance of service as worship and a church Mm -hmm. plant is a great opportunity to 
exercise that because I see I think we see, we understand read your Bible, mm-hmm. we understand pray, we understand you know sing and 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 all these things. But like service, I don't think that's on people's minds in a lot of churches. Of that's worship, that's part of worship, and as necessary as reading your Bible and as uh, praying is. Like, we wouldn't just say like, well, I, I think we look at service, especially today in America, as like, well, I'm going above and beyond as a Christian. Mm-hmm. I'm really being like a super mm-hmm. member and like you know stacking chairs or something or volunteering or giving you know these things. When really that's like kind of as essential as reading your Bible as a Christian as a church member is is serving and and there's a lot of opportunities in the church plant to serve so but when, with new people that come in it, it has to be kind of a paradigm shift in that of like you know how you read your bible and pray yeah serving is like part of that and not just a super extra thing to do mm. but like kind of a base level fundamental part of the christian life and and guess what in church plant there's a lot of opportunity to do that i've had to learn that myself and then even just like kind of how to articulate that in small like small groups and discipleship groups like i'm part of the setup team at my church and so what we started doing was uh for right, right before church we would have a little discipleship group where we would spend an hour and talk about go through the bible where it talks about like service as worship or mm. people serving the church or serving each other and how that's glorifying to god and how god cares about the little details we're setting up pipe and drape curtains and setting up chairs and stuff and it's like these, these little details matter, especially when you start reading like in Exodus and like Leviticus about the tabernacle. And they it goes into excruciating detail of like the length of pipes and the <laughs> rings and the what kind of fabric. And it's like, that's a lot of weird just detail. Why mm. is that in the Bible? It's like, because it's important because mm. God cares about those details. And it's just part of the bigger overall why. That's a big part of it is getting people to understand the bigger why in all the tiny little details that seem insignificant or seem just like we don't have to do that or, or whatever. That's something I've had really had to learn. And that is been kind of hard to like teach every single new person that comes in. Like, Hey, this is kind of part of, this is a big part of it. Um, I don't know. That's, that's to get, to get people to stay or get some buy-in from people or mm-hmm. commitment, I guess, too. What do you think, Carl? Man. Yeah, <clears throat> I agree. Um, there's so many different ways to serve a church. And I think, um, at some point I'm reading a book right now with some guys that um, that are elder candidates going into a new church plant. And it's, it's called lead by Paul Tripp. And he talks about um, there's a switch that happens where when you plant a church and everybody's in and everybody is being equipped for the work of the ministry and then God blesses that and grows that it's somewhere along the line. Um, it does become more of a corporation, right. Or, or a business model. So people, um, you're big enough to where people stop serving and they think that, um, yeah, serving is something that, uh, people who are gifted to serve do, but I'm not one of those people, or that's what super Christians do. And I'm not one of those people. Um, and so I think, and so for, for all of us to, to, where does that change happen and say, no, this is all of us are called to continue to serve the body of Christ. Um, and if we forget that, um, it, that means the body's not functioning the way it should be. And so there is going to be, um, it's going to be out of alignment. Um, you're going to start seeing, uh, just, you know, if, if you're not able to use your foot for a year, um, it's going to, it's going to mess with the rest of your body. Yeah. Right. And so, um, and so calling people constantly, how has God wired you? How has he gifted you, um, in, in making space for people to serve, um, no matter how, um, how good or bad they are at it at the beginning, but saying this isn't about performance. This is not about putting on a show. This is about equipping God's people for the work um, of ministry. And if we're not doing that, then we're not being faithful in in planting churches. Um, I do think you can be a large church and do this well, but it's costly. It's costly. Can you talk about some of the difficulty with starting a new church plant, especially from where you are? Because you you were saved. Um, you've kind of been with the same pastor and mentor and elder your whole Christian walk. Mm-hmm. Uh, your kids grew up in this church. You guys went from young married couples with no kids to now whole families. And you're yeah. leaving that whole community you had to start a new one. Yeah. It, man, that's... Um... I think that's something mentally I've pushed down the road, right? Until, <laughs> until I have to deal with it. 
Um, but even at our last family meeting on Sunday night, man, just just talking through that and and hearing John Paul uh, talk about um, his path and and how and how much of our paths are the same and how they've crossed and um, and what God's done in that time. But yeah, man, we could just newly we had been married for a few years before jumping in and beginning this with these other guys and. Man, we have three kids now. Um, this is insane. Why? This is their whole life is here, and so the very real uh, reality of um, you know gospel goodbyes for the sake of King Jesus, mm. we are going to uh, multiply, and so that means um, relationships are going to change. Right? Like we won't see the same people every Sunday that we have for the past eleven years, and that's hard. It's really hard. And so you do you have to deal with some comfort issues. Like I'm comfortable here. People know me here. We're going into another part of the city where nobody knows us and is um, where we're w- wanting to plant there. There is more of a hostility towards the gospel. Do I want to bring my kids to that and see some of that? I think God's calling us to do that. Um, and so uh, I think for us, um, I feel like I'm a relational guy. Um, my wife has built just amazing relationships over the year. That's going to be really hard and for our kids, um, but it's worth it. And we're still in San Antonio. I can't say the same thing for John Paul, but we're still going to be in San Antonio. <laughs> um, but yeah, not seeing you know the guys that have discipled me from day one and, and been a part of this, that will be tough. Um, but I think being good stewards of God's um, kingdom as he invites us to participate in it means um, man, moving in this direction and developing new relationships for the sake of, for the sake of the gospel. That's something that I, it's interesting you say that because it's something I've experienced with uh, a small discipleship group I have with a couple guys at my, my church. And it's been, it's been consistent, which is rare that we've mm-hmm. been meeting for about three years every Friday and going through books of the Bible and going through things together. And, you know, we, we've, we've talked recently about like splitting off or like multiplying or like adding or like just get another guy and like, like this model is working. This is, this is doing really well. Let's, you know, split off. And, and then instantly there's that fear of like, okay, I'm leaving something that's so rare and so great. been so great for my Christian walk and my, you know, just spiritual maturity and now I'm going to try and venture out to start meeting with another guy who might not even freaking show up. <laughs> you yep. know what I mean? And yeah. then it's like, okay, then where I'm at, you know, I'm trying to, but then they're not, it's, it, and then I'm, then I'm week, week, weeks and weeks go by where I'm not in that group anymore. And then I'm just kind of trying to do it myself. So I guess the question is like, how do you know when it's time to multiply? Cause I can't imagine you ever think like, we're ready. We're, 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 we've arrived as a church. We're established. Mm-hmm. And now we can start, you know, I'm sure there's still mountains to climb or fires to put out. And it's like, okay, we're going to multiply. Or it's like, okay, well, what's the, how do you know when I guess is like quote unquote ready to like make a move like this? Yeah. I, I guess I maybe have to say this disclaimer as a Christian, like we're never ready. Right. right. That makes us ready. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, but I do think, when you spend time with people over a long extended period of time, he does make you ready together. And so, um, so our core team, as of now, we have about 10 adults. Um, and most, I guess, probably eight of those, um, we have been in the same missional community together for the last four years or so. And so, um, and we all have, have, um, seen one another use their gifts um, in organization and teaching and um, leading worship and teaching kids and, uh, uh, you know, making dinner, serving the group in different ways and, um, and seeing people come to Christ. And it's cool for me as, as a pastor that um, yes, man, I've invited people to our group, but it's, it's the other families in the group that have invited their neighbors and their coworkers and have seen them come to Christ. And so um in my own life saying, okay, I think God has used me to equip other people for the work of the ministry. Mm-hmm. And now they're doing the same. The other people in the group are equipping the other people in the group um, with how God's gifted them. And so the organization minded people have, have helped me in that tremendous, I'm not an organized guy. And so I'm like, what are we doing? Should we even do this? I don't, you know, but having people come along and say, yeah, I got this. This is, this is easy. Now show me how to like have a neighbor over for dinner. 
praise God. And so <laughs> over the past, uh, you know, four years or so, just close proximity, seeing each other two or three times a week um, has built this camaraderie of saying, no, I, I trust that you um, are ready to make disciples. Um, and at the same time, still disciple me and, and equip me and teach me. Um, I consider myself more gifted, like as an evangelist. Um, and, uh, and so not primarily a teacher, I'm an elder of our church. I'm able to teach and I think I'm okay at it. Uh, but there are people in our group who are gifted as teachers. And so, um, man, they're ready to, to teach and, and to teach other people how to teach. And so I benefit from that. And so overall, the big picture is this group has made disciples together. It, it's not all reliant on me, on one person. And God's going to take this group of people and set us down in Mankey Park and make disciples there. And we think it's worth it. Now, you were talking about how in the area you're going to, the beliefs are kind of hostile to the gospel. Can you mm -hmm. talk about that? Like, what are you what are you walking into in that area? Yeah, it's um, people that live in that area um, kind of consider it like a, a mini Austin. And so it's a progressive neighborhood. And you go through the each street and you see signs in the front yards of the rainbow colors with each of the five, uh, mm -hmm. you know, people call it the secular creed. Um, people put signs in their front yard of what they believe. And so it can be intimidating to say, man, this is just, I just, from experience, know that this is going to be more hostile than living in Alamo Ranch, right? right. Um, and so um, changing the mindset to say, okay, they have a sign in their yard. I know exactly what they believe. And so I know what idols they have. I know what story is framing their life. And we can have a conversation with these people with the with the true story of the gospel mm -hmm. and show why Jesus is a better savior than like government reform or better roads or better schools or, uh, you know, police reform or anything like that. Jesus is a better savior than these temporary things that people place their hope in. Um, and so we've gotten to send out uh, surveys to people in the neighborhood. Most people have been responsive, but even today, a lady... Uh, just said, hey, just heads up there. He's wanting to know if the, the neighborhood needs a new church. And I'm like, that was one question. <laughs> but I wanted to, what we're asking is we want to know what you think is beautiful about the neighborhood. What do you think is broken in the neighborhood? What do you think will fix it? Um, and so things like that. But uh -huh. this lady saw one one question out of seven or eight questions and zoomed in on that. Right. And so uh -huh. it's like, well, there's something there. There might be some hurt there or just straight hostility towards the gospel. So uh, it would probably be easier to have a gospel conversation with her versus uh, someone who's just uh, kind of apathetic uh, towards uh, the things of God. And so for us, it's like, cool, we know exactly where to start the conversation or at least know where they think um, uh, salvation comes from. You know, and it's mostly a temporal thing. Yeah, there's this... Uh... This book called uh, "The Unsaved Christian" by Dean and Sarah, and he had a story in there about uh, these two guys coming out of seminary, and they were kind of going to do two different states, two different places to like start ministry and church and stuff. And one guy was going to like Portland, Oregon, or something, and one guy was going to somewhere in Alabama. And the Oregon guy told the Alabama guy, "Oh man, sorry, <laughs> you know, you, that's gonna mm -hmm. that's gonna be tough." And he's like. What are you talking about? All the atheists love him. He's like, yeah, I know what they think. He's like, but you're going to a place where a bunch of people think they're Christians. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, he's like, you're you're gonna have a tough time. I, I'm gonna be pretty easy as far. As I, <laughs> so it's like, like you said, you know exactly what they believe. You know how to speak to them. You, they they know they don't disagree. With, they don't agree with you. You know, yep. versus like sort of country club, sort of cultural mm -hmm. Christian, you know, environments that. It's like, oh man, you guys think you're Christians, but you guys are like way off of, like, <laughs> of, the, yep. of, of the Bible and everything. So I don't know, maybe a little exactly. word of encouragement too, as far as <laughs> going Gosh. to the lion's den. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, Dean, I like his stuff too. He's he's just pretty in your face and yeah. like he and he's he's spot on in this. And so I think part of our ministry strategy here, um, and this is. Uh, so our desire is to gather on Sundays at an elementary school there, which is a San Antonio ISD school. Um, SAISD is 80% low income. And so part of our strategy is to, we think God's calling us to be a generous church financially. 
Um, and so how do we bless the school, like the teachers and the students and the admin and everything there to where in two years, um, they couldn't imagine us not being there anymore. Right. And so uh, we want to be able to share the gospel with all of them, but, but we want them to think, man, if they leave, this is going to go downhill really quickly. And so when Jesus says, man, those who persecute you who or who are against you, um, by your good works that they would glorify God. And so we think um, our good works in this community that is very, that is very uh, social justice, uh, pro-social justice um, is um, we're like, cool, we can, we can go in here and serve this community. They might think it's social justice, but we're simply um, obeying Christ and serving this community with, with uh, you know, financially and with our energy and resources and what can they say to that? They might hate our theology, but man, they cannot deny the good works that God is calling us to because it's gospel motivated. How's that work in a in a government funded building, starting a church in a public yeah. school? Yeah, and and it, it, the school district itself um, is they're open, so we've toured the school. They're like, yeah, you guys can use classrooms, gyms, all these things. Um, and it is a, it's a public school, um, but they're also hurting financially. COVID has really hit them hard. And so, um, we, you know, when we started ARCC, we started in Hoffman Elementary, right in the middle of Alamo Ranch. And so, hey, when you can kind of say, hey, listen, um, the money that we're giving you this year, will pay a teacher's salary. That's helpful. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, that's helpful. And so you guys are always trying to fundraise and, and raise money through the district. Let us pay a teacher salary with what we're giving to you guys. Um, and then when, you know, if, if they turn that down, it's like, okay, we, we want to bless you guys, but we can't, um, you know, we're going to trust the Lord and, and the Lord owns the school. If he wants us to meet there, he's going to let us meet there. Uh, but really get in there. I think our desire, it really is to say, um, even if people disagree with our theology um, and some of our convictions, they're not going to be able to, um, deny what the gospel produces in God's people. And so you have to give up one or the other. Like, do we want the support of that this church is providing or uh, do we want them out of here because we have some differences in uh, cultural, uh, the way we see culture and, and reality? Hmm. We've talked about a couple of times how a lot of people who are, are atheists or maybe just hostile to the gospel have rejected a gospel that's not the gospel they rejected mm -hmm. a cultural gospel or something they think is christianity so yep. it, it, i think it's going to be really interesting when a church that's committed to the true real gospel just drops in the middle and and you know shows them what it actually is so they can object to it yeah but maybe it's the first time they're hearing it like maybe it's the yep. first time in america they've actually heard the gospel yep yeah it's i think one of the Something that we have to get better at culturally um, is just asking better questions where church is bad, Christians are bad. And who's in, like, if if we understand who we really are, we're not going to argue with that. Like, we're yeah, of course we're bad. That's why Jesus is good and he died for us and he gives us his goodness. And so asking questions like, when you hear the word gospel, like what, what comes to mind? And most people say, oh, gospel music or Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then you get to introduce it. Man, the gospel is the good news that God saves sinners like you and me through the life, uh, death, and resurrection, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. That's good news. Yeah. And so, like you said, like people have not, a lot of people have not really heard the true gospel. They've, and what they think Christians are generally, what they see on TV of these, uh, and these these men and women who are morally falling all the time and um, are always just out for money things like that. It's like, yeah, we, we're going to, we're going to fail and we're going to sin. We don't want to, but we're people who are humbled by um, the truth of who God is and what he's done in Christ. Yeah. I think we take a lot for granted sometimes in America thinking, well, everybody knows, you know, everybody knows the Jesus story. Everybody grew up in church. Mm -hmm. everybody, even if that's true, if they've heard some stuff, you know, you start really listening, like I hear, hear a TV show or like a podcast or something uh, that talks about, christians in the bible it's like oh man they don't know they don't know <laughs> like they <laughs> like they they completely misunderstood it so it's mm. kind of refreshing too because we think in some other cu culture or country i think like man it'd be super easy if they just like a clean slate you know they haven't heard anything and i guess i guess that's the that's the big hurdle is 
kind of hacking through the the weeds of like bad information that they've gotten that things that like a lot of false gospels right. i guess if, if someone's not heard any thing about jesus or the gospel at all it's a little easier than a bunch of false gospel that you have to kind of dig through first to mm-hmm. get you know because they've not they've not heard and rejected the true gospel they've heard and rejected some cultural moral thing or something and but then that but then that's solidified in their head that's what christianity is that's what the bible is that's what this whole thing is and so it's not just a matter of building up uh, you know telling somebody about it from scratch it's i gotta tear down kind of like what you've been told Mm. or like what you grew up in especially in san antonio with a lot of catholicism back catholic backgrounds and people too uh you know saying okay that's not Hey, let me, you know, let's, let's, let's have another conversation <laughs> about Jesus, yeah. basically. Yeah, I think that's just why asking questions is more important than putting forth, like, right. putting forth information, assuming, like, right. yeah, when we're assuming people know the gospel, we're going to argue things that they're not arguing or that they're not right. asking, right? They're like, guys, this is a different, this is different than 50 years ago. Yeah. We're, we're arguing against things. They, they don't even know that they're supposed to be asking. And so asking questions mm-hmm. like, so what do you, when I say I'm a Christian, what do you think I, what do you think I mean? Like, what do you think I believe? Right. And people just tell you and it's like, okay, well that, that, and that's wrong. So let's reframe <laughs> what you're thinking and work down this road together. Cool. Carl, I know you got a meeting tonight, so we got to let you go pretty quick. Um, Do you want to tell everybody the name of the church plant, uh, how soon you hope to get it going, any information where they can find more about it if they're interested in it? Yeah, thanks, man. Um, Yeah, so it's going to be called Garden City Church. Um, And, uh, you know, right again, right in the middle of (laughs) Botanical Gardens and Breckenridge Park. Uh, we think that lends itself to the story of redemption um, that began in the garden and will continue on in eternity um, into God's garden city, the the new Jerusalem. And so um, in April 1st and 2nd, we're going to have our first core team training. Um, and I'm, I've invited Ben Connolly um, in Fort Worth, Texas to come and, and, and train us on core team commitments and leadership development type things. And um, and so, yeah, really beginning April 1st and 2nd is when we're just beginning core team gatherings and instilling uh, the rhythms and uh, really the language of what uh, Garden City will be, Lord willing. Um, and then from there through the end of December is just building that team. And then we're hoping uh, to launch a Sunday gathering um, officially in January of 2023 there in Lamar Elementary. So, um, so we're working right now, so much stuff, <laughs> uh, getting our website, the app put together, um, all the legal things, all the, you know, the fun things that I have no clue about, <laughs> uh, but, but it have it having a ton of help on that. And so, um, and so, yeah, it's, um, yeah, you can email me, uh, my email is, is carl.young at garden dash city, um, dot church. And, um, I've answered questions about that and, and, uh, give more info going forward on that still lots to come cool awesome we really appreciate your time brother thanks for coming on and talking with us about this and we'll be praying for you and everything you're going to be doing cool yeah thanks guys bless you guys thank you cool take these off now (laughs) (laughs) an echo i know it was terrible terrible. (laughs) (laughs) man church planning sounds terrifying to me it really does yeah man i can't even like i mean i i I'm 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 just like a volunteer at one. I'm not like, I'm not like part. I wouldn't really consider myself a part of like a church planting right. team or something. Right, right. Kind of like came in you just later. showed up. Yeah, I showed up. I was like, all right, I'll do. I'll work. I'll do stuff. Yeah. Um, I know, man. It's it, it's it's hard too because we. Yeah, it seems like you have to rethink everything of like, well, what do I even mean by church? Right. You know, we're gonna have music to begin. Yeah, with, yeah. We're gonna have what? Do we, what does that mean? Like, what are we doing? And I mean, for the well, it was literally just in a living room. It was like a Bible study mm. and on Sunday nights. And then um, that, that I mean, there was always the intention of planting a church. Right. But it was, that's the way it started was in someone's living room. We just had people. And that's when it was the most like come and go. Like there was a mm. lot mm-hmm. of people that were just kind of friends or people that like, I knew the pastor from an old church that we had both gone to. He was right. a youth intern at this old church I went to. And, and I was still going to that church and then uh, was looking to, it, the church was kind of falling apart. <laughs> and so and that's when I met Lauren and we were like kind of looking for something different. And then my sister was going to this with, with, with the pastor uh, and uh, she knew the, the other ladies there and stuff. And so um, 
she was like, Hey, you know, he, he's back, you know, cause he, our, our pastor, he, the founding pastor of the well went to castle Hills right. as a youth intern. He went off to seminary and then came back with someone to plant a church here. Mm. And then I, so I knew him that way. And then my sister knew him and this other girl that was part of the church planning team, the original team uh, really well. And so it was like, Hey, they're doing a Bible study on Sunday night. So I was like, cool. So we started doing that. And then I, I talked with the pastor about it and, Kind of laid out the whole plan of like here's what we want to do. We're plenty of church. We're trying mm-hmm. to grow. I'm like cool. Well, I mean, like let's do it. You know. But yeah, there was like a lot of people that I think back to then of like because you think about it like okay, we're planning a church. Let me look around. It's like okay, this is the church, and then, <laughs> but it's not. Like those people are all gone. Right. <laughs> like, we've got like three of those same people. Even the founding pastors gone. Even the founding pastors. <laughs> <laughs> <No, it's> like, <laughs> yeah. So things change, and that's what's weird too. You think like, well, we'll just start with you know five and then it'll become 10 and then it'll become 20 then it'll become and then we got a church it's like oh we're gonna start with five lose three game six <laughs> and, you know lose two but you know it's just like this constant like up and down fluctuating of, mm-hmm. of just a lot of different things happening um i don't know it's just it's been a it's been a crazy ride from the from the living room but um, <laughs> and we're still i feel like just going we haven't really like arrived yeah but again that's why that's why i asked him like well how, how do you know like you've like arrived right or, like because I, f- I feel like you would never like you said you're never like uh, done yeah you know but how, <laughs> how you done enough you think or to like like this is an multiply. established church yeah. and now we can move yeah yeah it's like it's such a fragile thing even just starting it and growing it to now split it off it's right. like ah like that's too much that's too big of a change or something well it's weird watching like, it from... i don't want to wait till we have like 500 people and it's like okay now go you know <laughs> like the village church they can start a... oh they can start 50 church yeah. <laughs> they're, they're they're safe they're in a, they're in a good place i think to like branch off and start oh well, it's weird because in theory satellite campuses are should be church plants right like instead of just watching yeah. monitors it's like well that's the whole church right there and it has to come down to just like a a leadership thing like we don't have a pastor for that yeah. satellite or something or we don't have a pastor team mm. for that satellite so we'll patch them into the life <laughs> you know for chandler like, yeah I, I, it must be it must be because they have right they, they have i'm sure yeah started, i mean they're acts 29 that's part of their whole deal is church planning and, right and they have like started not their satellites but, they, they but whole churches in, but like old church. yeah yeah so it's weird watching it from the other side because i've i've been at our church for two years roughly maybe going on three and you know it's been smooth the whole trend everything's been set up because by the time i got there they've been there for 10 years and everything's good to go and now it's like well we're gonna be down two elders and uh their wives who also run all this stuff and all their kids are gonna be gone so you know we'll figure it out (laughs) whoa wait this guy takes care of this this guy takes care of this who's who's filling in what are we doing Whereas, like for us, we have we had a volunteer woman who has a full from their full job, and the, the as a married couple at our church, she was running our entire kids ministry. We have a <laughs> lot of kids, and then she gets pregnant, and it's like, okay, she's gonna be out. What are we gonna do? Oof. So someone else has to like learn everything <laughs> and become her. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's like it's not even like a staff. It's literally just volunteers and uh, people with full time jobs and families right. and stuff that are working you know pretty a lot of hours as far as programming a lot of mini- the ministries and stuff so but it's weird too because like that's the kind of church i grew up in mm. when i was a kid was a uh, super small independent fundamental baptist right, you know, right. church and it, it was in wichita falls there's a military town so mm-hmm. i really knew what he talked about as far as like people coming in and then they get stationed every like four or six years right and they're gone you know and so but yeah all the all the like our pastor was a mechanic and so like it was bivocational like huh. our lead pastor was bivocational and so it's like okay that's kind of what i thought like church is right and i knew i knew it wasn't that i knew enough to, like, but that was a church, church you were used to that was church, you were very comfortable in that kind right. of church where everybody has to do something hmm. you know and so yeah it's it's kind of weird almost to be in a like to, to if there were to be a, in a big church like a mega church which i've been in and it's like you do kind of just come and go. And and I guess in those situations, you find that tight-knit community and sort of that small church mentality environment in a small group or in a Bible study or something. Mm. Then I was at Castle Hills, a pretty sizable church. Yeah, It was the college ministry that was like, well, that's my church. Right, those right. Are, those are the people I know. That's who I know. That's yeah. who hanging out, Bible studies and stuff, going to Whataburger and doing stuff. Like everybody else in the church, like I don't know in a lot of people's <laughs> names. Right. I don't know any of them. But like, so it's almost like in a church there are, different ministries that that are your you know church or whatever mm. but do y'all, do y'all church have a youth group 
You know what? Carl actually was the youth pastor for a while, and he came to the conviction that a youth group is not a biblical idea. Really? Yeah, that was his his conviction. So he dissolved the department. Yeah, basically. that's kind of my thinking. Yeah, man. I hope our <laughs> we don't. All our kids are super small, like super tiny. Yeah, that's where, kind of where we are right now too. We don't have a lot of teenagers anyway. Yeah, well, we have we've had teenagers, but they left because of youth group. <laughs> <laughs> Those families left, and that's another thing too. I feel like if everybody left because we didn't have something, we wouldn't have anything. We wouldn't have right. anybody, any people, because it's like. Someone's complaining, hey, you don't have a youth group. Say, like, okay, go start one. Right. You've, got, you've got four kids. <laughs> you've got a youth You're group. You're the youth group. Go ahead. <laughs> you know, go start it. Why are you talking to me? You know, and but but yeah, the idea of youth group, I think, is not a great idea. Yeah, I, I think it hinders. That's why we go to college with bad theology, because you've been held back yeah. kind of at the, the kids' table for so long. You don't get yeah. in the real stuff. And it's, the idea of a teenager, it's the invention of a teenager is brand new. Like, right. That didn't really exist until like the 40s or 50s. Like a teenage, like what is that? You're either a child and then or an adult. adult. You go get a job. <laughs> You're in school for a little while and then you go get a job. Usually like 13 years old or something. Right. <laughs> well, you knew crazy. all you needed to know at school by then. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, in the in the menial cog, yeah cog in the machine right. job you're gonna have, you know, you're, that's all you need. You're gonna farm. You can be a farmer. Right. You, spend, <laughs> you need basic spend math. First 13 years of your life farming. You got it. Right. You <laughs> now go farm. Now you're, you're going. Man. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This being at this new church has been different for me because I went to a smaller church, but it was it was everybody did know everybody, and there was deacons, and we were established, but it was still kind of small. Yeah, right. So, but everything worked. Everybody was there to take care of everything. Is there a perfect size for a church? Oh man, once you get to like a hundred, two hundred people, it's like this is getting dicey. I can't know everybody. <laughs> yeah, that's, well, we're we're just below that. And I feel like yeah, I don't know everybody, but I know most people. It's not even knowing everybody. I think it's. I'm not, I'm not close with it a lot. Of, right, like but being able to pastor everybody, yeah, is hard when you have a huge. Like, I mean, how many people does Matt Chandler know by name in church? Yeah. You know, yeah. how many people can call him for counseling? Or I mean, I'm sure they have other counselors to take over yeah. that too. But uh, do you need that, or do you need to just like I don't know? Yeah, I know. I like text my pastor or something. People are like, you text your pastor? <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah. I mean. He's not, it's not what you think. That... Yeah, well, that's, I literally, I walk up to Carl on Sunday. I was like, yeah. Hey, can you do this? And he's yeah. like, yeah, we'll work it out. So cool. Well, so, and that's the thing too, like that, when you're talking about that corporate structure, the churches have gotten into, mm. you know, when I felt like, if I ever felt like my call to be a pastor and I think the model besides my, the first church I was in is like, okay, everybody's already doing a job. Right. And so it's like, am I called to be bivocational? serving mm, in ministry mm -hmm. yeah but like aren't we all right like our, you know <laughs> like like our, our our youth pastor or whoever it was was an air force pilot mm. you know and it's like and he did the music and it's like <laughs> is he called to be a pastor i mean i guess yeah but he's not quitting the air force so right like, well, what are we talking about like what does that mean and so i had that in my head but then i also had like corporate ceo type pastor. right right and so then it's like okay and i always thought that's the calling mm. is like do you do you feel called to do that and it's like well i think everyone's called to do that by vocational service thing but i'm not called to be this like ceo type of pastor at a mm -hmm. church and so when people say you call to be a pastor i'm like no not that right. i don't want to be that <laughs> but i do what i see myself teaching i see myself mm -hmm. serving i see you know but i didn't I, I didn't know about this model of like you know of, of elders right you know like multiple pastors and then you know uh, i can't i don't know where it was but like you know Chandler and like um, Austin Stone and stuff. So you start hearing pastors preach, and they're like, "I'm the discipleship pastor here." At right, right, right. I'm the whatever. I'm the evangelism pat whatever. And it's like, wait, what? So there's like different. So you're a associate pastor? It's like, no, I'm the, <laughs> I'm the I'm discipleship pastor. pastor. You know, and it's like, okay, what does that mean? But yeah, having this sort of like team of elders, that I, I was like, okay, I think I could probably right. do that. You know, as far as be a part of this thing, and I think it's how it should be, not just this. But then that brings up the question too of, and I, I, I kind of wanted to ask him, but I think he kind of answered it already a little bit. But that idea of not seeing something like a church plant as like an entrepreneur opportunity, mm -hmm. but also you do need some level of structure yes. and organization and a plan, you know, some planning right. and programming. But how do you like, that's always kind of been a weird situation for me. Like what's that fine line between my calling mm. of, I'm going to teach and share the gospel and uh, serve people, 
and that's what it's all about and that's it and that's the you know kind of the pure sort of like thing versus uh i'm gonna i, I want this to scale you start using words like that branding mm-hmm. you know and marketing right and like well okay no no you're getting to you corporate you're getting to right, entrepreneurial right. but it's like yeah but you need a business card you need like a card right I right mean, yeah and you need to be because you have to when someone you asks you like well how do i find out more you need to be able to right. tell them something exactly. or give so them there's something like this weird balance between like we're just gonna serve people and, and and preach the gospel versus like okay we have to have a phone number and like you know be on google <laughs> and stuff so how do you like mm. how do you balance that and because i think i think it'd be very productive in a lot of the um practical measures to see it as like an entrepreneurial thing because I, I see you watch movies about like these startups or like right. read stories about that and how they you know we're just kind of burning the candle at both ends and working hard and doing all these things like okay cool that's that's neat being part of a startup but like should you treat your church plan as a startup mm. it's like no but it's like but kind of <laughs> you know? i don't know like and, and i don't know if there's like how much how, how wrong that is to kind of see some of those elements in mm-hmm. a church plant when you're just getting started when you're just starting up like i mean it's a startup like right or but it's, you're not supposed to look at it that way <laughs> which i agree with, with you know it's like a weird, right like I, there's 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 good and bad to both of that I it's just I, I don't know it's so different now because we live in a different world where everything's branding and recognition and online and yeah you know what's your web presence like and how's your social media <laughs> it's it's what we live in now and there's yeah. i don't know how else you work it yeah, I think that's especially with young people. I think that's like just the natural mentality, right? More, more so with a lot of people. Everybody's got a social media page, which means everybody has a brand, right? Yes, exactly. Know? And so that's just kind of the thinking of everyone now, especially younger people. And so when you like have like some twenty-five-year-old today wanting to do a church plant, he's gonna treat it like a startup, right? You know, he's gonna put a team together. He's yeah. gonna start a page. Which I mean, like you should, yeah, right, because right. so, that's how you're, you're meeting people where they are, and that's how people largely find stuff now is through all of that. Right. And, I mean, should we go back to door knocking and the church van and? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, yeah, <laughs> the church van. <laughs> yeah, canvas in neighborhoods. Yeah, and passing out. I mean, I I don't see I don't see like get hurt right i remember that's one of my earliest memories is doing that with my uncle he would drive the church van yeah and on sunday mornings go pick up all the neighborhood kids who wanted to go to church and we'd all go and we were kind of my mom had a van and we were kind of that van it wasn't really (laughs) the neighborhood but we'd like go pick up whoever parents are working or something and Mm -hmm. bring a bunch of kids to church but um yeah i don't know It's, it's it is it is that weird balance between those two things of like treating it like a job or like a startup or like very you know organizational versus just sharing the gospel and right. loving people and serving people and stuff mm-hmm. and uh, balance between them. But I mean, we're supposed to be redeeming everything. So like let's redeem entrepreneurial right. parts, you know, <laughs> right. to share the gospel. But then I guess the fear of that is, is that like, well, we don't, we're going to water down the gospel because of numbers. And if mm-hmm. it gets too much of that uh, numbers <laughs> mindset, then it's like, okay, well, we're at a good spot numbers wise and we don't want to, do anything to rock the boat. So mm-hmm. don't preach that sermon. Don't say that thing. I mean, especially if you get like a big donor, right? Yeah. Someone, well, this person's kind of supporting the budget. So yeah, it's not step on any toes. Yeah. You've got a gay cousin. So we're not going <laughs> to, <laughs> I mean, there's the opposite too. When you got like the CEO pastor is the one who's maybe they're not, maybe you get a, a Driscoll, right? He's not afraid to say what he's going to say, but then you get kind of this like cult member yeah. leader. Cult of personality. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's weird too. Yeah. It's, I could see that honestly with like um it, it's weird because there's like real dynamic speakers and real like I, I think just have a gift for like speaking in front of other people mm-hmm. and and that's kind of how I felt like with the previous pastor and it's like man people are really engaged really engaging and and he, I, w- I would never say I, w- I don't think he ever like didn't say, say the truth mm. or didn't um but there was there was definitely more diplomacy and finesse, I think, mm-hmm. in it, you know, in that way, which is not bad. Right. But then with the past we have now, it's like he would just kind of say it. <laughs> and it's like and it's it's like oh man. And there was so many times when I was thinking something in my head of like, is he gonna go there and <laughs> say that? And then he said it. It's like, oh my god, he said it. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean when that's a lot of things like in my head of it as a past like a pastor's talking about something, and it's like, okay. Is he going to say abortion is murder? It's like, sure. No, he won't. Right. 
but but he can get but the same just... but he can get the same food across mm. of like that it's sin mm-hmm. and whatever. But then it's like my pastor's like abortion is murder. It's like, <laughs> Oh my God, he just said it. But that, you know what? That's two like, different things, though. Racist. <laughs> oh, but those are go. those are two different things. Saying abortion is a sin and abortion is murder, like it is the same, but right. not really. Because like, is abortion a sin? Like, okay, so is lying. Like, what are, <laughs> what are we saying? Yeah. But if you just get to the heart of it and say it's murder, like, no, we're talking about a specific thing that you're doing. Yeah. That's worse than something else. It's not the same as as theft or whatever yeah i don't know man but that's how everybody is too now like we're the only ones who don't want to go there and say that thing nobody else is hesitant in that way you mean christians yeah christians are the only group that are like i don't know if i want to say that yeah well i mean i think there is a, a sometimes sort of a cheap shot effect to it yes like, you're just trying to be yes yes, yes inflammatory yes. i think that's a lot of people with like a pagan mindset and mm-hmm. worldview and stuff they're just trying to be you know, they don't act like people like shout your abortion or like, right. Do it. It's like, okay, you're not, you don't act, you don't think it's that, but you know, it's going to rile people up. So you're just saying, mm-hmm. and so we shouldn't do the same thing. Right. Where it's right, like, right. Well, I'm just say something and then just <laughs> whatever. So we should speak the truth in love, but it should be truth. And it should be, there should be reason behind it in like a, an intent um, behind that. And just, we should, we should be speaking, uh, I hate that word, just like authentically. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but like scripturally of just what it says, but with the intention of, hey, I love you, and I don't want you to. Right, right, get right. Lost, and know? I think that's that's the difference. A lot of time with when, with attitude is when I watch like just general conservative uh, people talk about topics that they feel passionate about, like abortion or like welfare or whatever. They're they're just making sound bites. It's like they're. It's almost. Like, it's like they're getting off on. Like, yes, on the rage. They know that they're. Yes. Even saying like a, a, something real. And true, it's like okay, but what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, it's it's like it's almost like they get happy whenever someone's banned from Twitter. Like, ah, oh, we got another thing to fight about. Like, okay, but that's not the point. Cancel me, yeah, yes, cancel me. Exactly, they want that. That's what they want. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's a different attitude from like the idea of Paul is like you know in jail he's gonna convert people on the streets he's gonna convert people. Yeah, he's, he's gonna like, go to yeah. The, he's like, I don't want to be here. Right, <laughs> but, but while I'm, I'm here, I'm here. I'm gonna be. I'm doing gonna this. preach. Yeah, it's not like no, go to jail. Yeah, you have to be in jail. <laughs> Like, no, that's how you get reached. You get headlines that way. <laughs> yeah, you gotta be in jail. Oh man, like, you don't have to be in jail. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you might end up there, yeah. but you don't necessarily have to. Yeah. Oh, it's weird. It's a weird world, especially with church planning in right now. But yeah, I hear uh, stories, man. I was just like from my pastor and like old stories and stuff. And I think about that because my pastor's my same age. I'm two days older than my pastor, <laughs> and and it's just so you're literally his elder. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Uh, but yeah, and I hear some stories and hear things and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I could, I think about my life mm-hmm. and my past and mm. things that I freak out about or, or think is, are a big deal or stress about or get offended or, you know, get like angry or at people because they're, they say something or they're lying about me or something, whatever. And I hear some of his stories. I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, like this is you're, like, you know, such a different wavelength <laughs> of like crap you have to deal with yeah. and stuff. And, and just, I don't know if I would have like the fortitude for that, for like a detrimental amount of doubt to mm. start creeping in of like, what am I doing? And my, why should I, and I don't know if he feels that way, but like, or, or Carl was, you know, right. people playing churches, but I couldn't imagine not feeling like I'm a fraud. I'm, mm. you know, a complete hypocrite or I, I know my sin so much. And then all these people are mad at me saying maybe some true things and like, I screwed up or like, it's like, you can't screw up. You have to be right. Just be speaking correctly all the time and stuff. And I don't know, man, that's a weird, they carry such a burden, dude. Yeah. Like pastors and like elders, there's a huge burden on them of like stuff that people throw in their face Mm. of, of things of, of, again, like some of it might be a little bit true, you know, and there's still people. So I think we, we really need to see our pastors like being part of it. Like a church plant has really helped me see, and having my pastor be my same age <laughs> has really helped me see like they're in the trenches mm. with you. And that's all pastors. Right. It, like all pastors and all leaders of churches, they're right there. And the, we, we tend to put them in the, on a pedestal and thinking, we're like, well, they're super Christians and they're touched by God and gifted. And like, and that, you know, it might be true to, to some extent, but like they're also the people, mm. you know, and they're in the trenches. They deal with sin. They deal with temptation. They get angry. They have bad days. They have doubt. If fear, you know, anxiety and stuff that they deal with. And, 
you know, they got to deal with it the same way you do, you know, which is with God and you know, take it and mm. offer it to God. And, but it's just like the, 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 the amount seems like way more. <laughs> it's like you put a target on your back. Yeah. You know, yeah, you yeah. go into ministry and, and try and pursue these things. Cause it's like, you know, Satan's not worried about Joe Schmo right. church goer, you know, like whatever, like that's, She's not threatening it, but like a pastor is speaking the gospel. So like, okay, get that guy. Like, get it, you know, <laughs> and that's, yeah. It was like, I've seen people flame out and just can't, can't, can't handle the pressure. Yeah. I can't handle the pressure. Just like, I think rightfully get angry and just be like, screw right. this, you know, like, I, don't, <laughs> I don't need this. <laughs> it's hard. It's gotta be a hard, hard to line to watch. That's what I think of with people like Wilson or, or Durbin, like to see what people say or write or talk about them. Like, and you know to see that especially wilson wilson's the the one who i think is the funniest because he's just like this grand jolly grandpa in in idaho yeah and he's got hit pieces from everybody including other pastors and churches who are just trying to like demolish everything that he is and stands for yeah and it's just and he just takes it and just yeah. smiles and keeps going that's gotta be a hard one too of like it's, it's easy to, to brush off criticism from dopes right and like people like oh okay well you're you I, I don't, what am I, <laughs> you know i don't care but if it's like a pastor yeah like someone who you know is faithful and know it's your respect and admire and they're kind of have like a like kind of maybe harsh criticism or something about you it's like that would make you doubt and really think like what am i doing like, right they think i suck like oh man. <laughs> i remember That's... him talking on the episode where we interviewed doug wilson if you want to go back and check that out close personal friend of the podcast i remember him doug talking wilson. about how uh when the criticism started a lot of people who he thought would have been on his side denominationally kind of fell off and everybody else who he thought wouldn't have were the ones that were like no we're with you in this we're, we're here for you yeah uh, did you see that one about well it was he had, he had a thing about michael heiser a video mm. like, like ask doug or one of those and uh you know michael heiser gets kind of weird with like nephilim yes <laughs> and all the kind of like it's like don't be afraid to go there kind of thing where the bible gets weird and right and, you know and he said uh you know a lot of reform people in situations like that they look around and see uh the charismatics on their side <laughs> or something and it's like wait what like you're here and like yeah we're used to being weird <laughs> You can get a little weird with this, you know. So it won't be the, you know, the heady sort of coming into into those zones and stuff, into those true godly biblical zones, Mm. you know, where things get weird. But the charismatics might, right? Yes. So like, who who you might not think back you up, me on your side, or who you thought you'd probably never be on the side of anything Mm. with. It's like you all of a sudden find yourself there, faithfully, biblically, right? You know, honestly. And so it's like, oh wow, this is. is And I think that helps too, because when you when you have that commonality on some things then you can kind of have a dialogue about things you don't agree on yeah and they'll understand like well, we're not trying to tear you down we're just we're we're together clearly right i was you know we went to sea world this week and there was a group of i'm assuming because i didn't talk to them but uh kind of those hyper conservative pentecostals with the long dresses yeah. and everything and Some denim skirt the denim skirt denim around. skirt yeah ponytails or yeah. high the real thick bun because you never cut your hair, little bandana on yeah. hair <laughs> yeah. and those are that was like a punchline for me a long time i was like oh those people they can't do anything and the more i thought about it now it's like that's gonna be us that's gonna be the group we're in because it's like oh it's those religious freaks like yeah me also for yeah. whatever reason i don't look like that but that's it's that's gonna come out I was talking to somebody and they're like, they're saying like their neighbors think they're a Christian or they, they know they're a Christian. It's like, but then we had them over for dinner and it was like, and I was like, and then I found out you were a freak. It's <laughs> 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 like, like, yeah, we're all Christians. This is South Texas. All right. Like we're all Christian. But then it's like, oh wait, you read the Bible? Yeah. You got a Bible like, out? Do you think the Bible's true? Okay. You're weird. Yeah. That, that seems to be the dividing line. Yeah. No, for sure. Cultural Christianity and like, real faithful belief is mm. like no I, I, this is real the bible is true right. bible is 100 true and it's the source of all knowledge and wisdom and it's not just a bunch of good wise stories like it's the base of all truth mm. and it's like oh okay you're kind of going off the edge there, you know? <laughs> i thought you were not a christian but yeah, i didn't know you were weird yeah i don't know you were one of those church but you know i don't that's weird then you're the people with the shofar and you're in the same group with them <laughs> yeah man i embrace the you gotta embrace the weird Weirdo. even with like conspiracy people i know they're weird and they're out there we don't agree but like it, you know at least they're the ones that are like let everybody be free they're not the ones who are like lock everyone down shut everything down kill their bank accounts all right you know i don't know you gotta get used to being friends with weirdos if you want to be over here yeah. <laughs> cool well we thank carl for his time um hopefully I, I we already set it up so in three weeks uh my other elder who will 
for the time being, who's also starting a church plant out in Brownwood, is going to be on here to discuss his whole thing. Because he's going a little bit further out, and I think he's really going into that Bible Belt, yeah. everyone's a Christian area. So it's kind of the opposite. It's yeah, like yeah, a, exactly. It's a story. Yes. It's like, yeah, two, they're both going to yeah, different areas. people. That'd be so. interesting to track the... the, the say progress but uh, the yeah. <laughs> progression it'd be you know it'd be, it's funny too because they they basically got saved together mm. under the same pastor in the same church group came up started families and now they're going their separate ways into different yeah. different parts of ministry so it's weird to think about too because i think about like our, our growth as a church and money and resources and ministry mm. and stuff and it's like you know Mo money, mo problem. Because <laughs> there, there is the there is that like you know that idea of ha- maybe having a cash cow or mm-hmm. something, and then it's like, okay, how has that shaped the dynamic of what we do? Because we've seen growth, we've seen fruit, and now you know they're pissed. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Or right. like this this group of people that have been kind of supporting financially a lot. We touched like, their issue, right? Everybody's got an <laughs> yeah. issue, right? Or yeah. to some degree, and it's like just. That's that's when you gotta like just have those hard conversations of like, mm. look, we're we're pointing to the Bible, and that's it. You know, this isn't a, a clash of personalities or opinions. Like, we're I'm gonna be pointing to the Scripture every time, right? And so, like, that's gotta be the that's gotta be behind the basis of any support. I think of a church because that's what, like where a lot of people are finding problems with like uh, tax exemption status mm-hmm. and stuff for churches in this new like Equality Act mm. that will that that's probably one of the biggest threats of religious liberty. Right, a long time is the Quality Act. Like, if you're a Christian school, you cannot not hire a gay teacher right. or something. And if you do, you're going to get sued, and we're going to take away your exam. And a lot of churches depend on that tax exemption right. status. Yes, where if you take that away, that's it. They're, they're done. Like, there's a lot of like their financial support is built on that. And you know, that's why like Southern Seminary, they don't take FAFSA, mm. they don't take Pell grants and stuff because as soon as you do. You're okay now. You're good. You're dependent on. They that. got you. They got you. And the, but it's so hard because it's like, cool. I'll take that. And you right. know, the government's involved, and we'll take. That's what I was wondering about, like the, uh, the the, the school, the public school. Yeah. But it sounds like they need them. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well which is a good position. To COVID be in that was way. the leveler. Yeah. COVID. Co- the 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 good side of COVID. <laughs> Is that it killed all the illusions, it killed all the rules, it got rid of it, all the, the curtains, whatever there was, social yeah. niceties and 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 proper whatever is all yeah. dead. We're all, all back. Cards in, are on the table. Yes, everything is what it is, and we're just saying what we think now. Yeah. I, I mean that, that's good, I guess. Right. And you know, you know, shake it up. What's the in, in Hebrews? He shakes the foundation of the world so things that can't be shaken <laughs> remain. <laughs> yeah. All that social structure is gone. Yep. It happens from time to time. But yeah. cool. Well. Again, we thank Carl for being on here. Uh, We're looking forward to John Paul being on in a couple of weeks. Uh, Until next time, this has been the time and the place. Like, share, subscribe, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, Twitter, anywhere you're on, we're on. Uh, Thank you for coming, and we'll see you guys next week.